The following is rated R. It contains violence, adult language, nudity, and adult content. Good evening, everybody, and welcome. It's 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope you got your clock situation situated so that you can be here and listen with us. It's um, November 7th. It is not Halloween Sunday. Let me please take that out of my script. That was from last week. It's November 7th, 2021. And thank you for joining us for the Fear of the Walking Dead and Walking Dead World Beyond online viewing party right here on blogtalkradio.com. I'm host Casey Shapiro, and special thanks to our host and sponsor, NDB Media. So let's give them a little thank you applause. And you know what? Actually, I'm going to give some extra applause also for Joan, who is here in the chat with me. Thank you. She's always a very big help, and it's nice to have a little company to chit-chat while we're watching the show, because that's the main point of what we do. I'm glad for all of you who come back uh, after the fact and listen to the show. Always appreciated. Um, and sometime, if you get a chance, we'd love to have you in the chat live with us while we're experiencing this all together in our viewing party. All right. So tonight's show, as all shows, contains spoilers up through the last episode and possible content from any current AMC official promo materials. Typically, we start the show about a half hour before the new episode airs live each week with recap from the previous episode and discussion of what is to come tonight. At 9 p.m., we will go dark or mute. We'll watch the new episode together and then rate the episode between 1 to 10, 1 being, oh, my God, kill it, and 10 being, this is awesome, more please. And we will also give you commentary during the commercial break. We will give our listeners trivia on the show, as well as the cast and crew, including bios, birthdays, and more. Our show is spoiler and comic-free. So please don't discuss either any spoilers or stuff in the comics in the chat room or on the air. We prefer our discussions, reactions, and comments to be just about what we know from the show that's presented. Occasionally we make exceptions. We will heavily announce them and encourage you to get a drink or powder your nose if you don't want to hear it. All right. Welcome to Fear the Walking Dead Season 7. Fear will run the front eight episodes of Season 7 up to December 5th, which is four weeks from now, and then go on break until 2022. Uh, World Beyond Season 2 will concurrently run after this at 10 p.m. each Sunday night until December 5th with the front half of Fear, but Talking Dead at 11 p.m. will not resume until November 28th, Thanksgiving Sunday, which is, as Joan loves for me to say, the penultimate episode! Yay! And Joe says, in my defense, I have yet to rate a one, even when I felt, oh, my God, kill it. That is fair. You have not actually done that. We've tried very hard to give the show a chance, and sometimes there are redeeming things in the hot mess. So I appreciate your restraint, (laughs) because I know there have been a few episodes that I'm not sure honestly deserved as much as we gave them. Okay. Um, I'm going to skip the myriad spinoffs and other stuff. I've done that for you guys for several weeks. If you're ever wondering about one of them and you've kind of forgotten what I'm saying, 
feel free to ask me, post something on the Facebook page, message me on the Facebook page. If you know my personal social media, you can do that. Um, or come to the chat room and just ask me and I'll, I will tell you. But there's a lot there and I don't know that I need to read it to you every single week. I'll probably read it a little more often as they approach when they're going to actually start airing. Okay, so call in, speak with the host at 914-338-0314. You can call in anytime tonight while the show is live, but we especially encourage you to call between 8.30 and 9 p.m. Eastern Time. You're still welcome to call during the live show, but you'll be screened and muted until the next commercial break where we can chat live on the air. If the phones are not really your thing, there's some people that are a little shy about that sort of stuff. We have a live chat room where you can join us. You'll be able to listen to the show real time, as well as go back to the link after the show is done and download the episode or listen to it on the webpage. And we post the links for that on Facebook and usually Twitter and my social media when I remember to post it or if I have enough time. Sometimes I really am working up to the last minute and a half. (laughs) All right, if you're unable to join us in real time this evening or any evening really, you can still go to each episode link later and download the broadcast as an MP3 podcast for later listening. Just go to the cloud-shaped white icon at the top right of the page and click on it. You can also download this and any prior episodes with their appropriate links on iTunes. First, we will give info on Fear the Walking Dead and then afterwards info on World Beyond. So, starting first, tonight's Fear episode is entitled Breathe With Me. The official AMC synopsis is, against the advice of the group, Sarah searches for Wendell and in the process encounters a dangerous survivor who forces her to take part in a search of her own. So there may be things I read to you guys tonight that have a little bit of spoilers because what they're talking about is in the trailers. You can see what has been happening. What's valuable is that we hadn't heard any mention of what happened of large chunks of the rest of the group. So obviously Wendell has somehow hidden himself and stayed behind in the mess because we didn't see him rescued, unless that's happened since then. Maybe we'll find out tonight. Um, Sarah and several others were whisked off somewhere. So I guess tonight we will get an inventory of who got whisked off, exactly by whom, which is basically Isabel, um, and possibly a couple of other CRM staff, because she wasn't alone. But we'll find out who went, who is still connected now, you know, weeks later, and what's going on. So she's going out to look for Wendell. Um, we also have had it spoiled, quote unquote, by AMC, who the dangerous survivor is. But I'm going to wait a few minutes to mention it unless it comes up in one of the stories I'm going to read you. So I have two links. One of them doesn't have that much material. It has a few useful things, so I did want to include it. The other one has a little more meat on it, and I think it's because it might be from comicbook.com. I'll have to check. Okay. This first one is from a source that is new to me but keeps coming up in my searches, and they tend to be a little spoilery, so I've been very slow and reluctant to include them that much, but I did want to grab a couple pieces of info. And This is 
um, from gizmostory.com, you know, one word, Fear the Walking Dead Season 7, Episode 4, November 7th release and plot speculations by Lokesh Bardwatch. And this was written on November 3rd. So let's see. <coughs> Sorry. The seventh season of Fear the Walking Dead was broadcast on October 17th, 2021. I think you I mean the beginning of it. This series is inspired by Robert Kirkman, Tony Moore, and Charlie Adler's book series, which has the same title. We will see where Sarah will stumble as she goes against the advice of her group to find Wendell in episode four. However, Dory and June have already been able to leave the bunker successfully. I'll tell you what happened next. Okay. Um, This seems to be worded by somebody who may not have the best English, and it seems to be a little confusing, so I apologize if this is hard to follow. I'm going to read you what I can and help it make sense without spoiling too much. I think they're talking about last week's episode and using that as an analogy for tonight. During the past 300-ish days, I honestly didn't think it was 300 days. I think the author's confused. June and Dory spent underground. The show revealed their work. There was never a change in their routines, drinking, playing games, and sleeping until one day a wall cracked and Dory began hearing voices. Since the dawn of time, it has become apparent that not everyone can stay sane within four walls. The dreams of Cindy haunted Dory. I don't know why they call him Dory. He doesn't go by that. Um, Who walked around in nightmares. Her mother had promised they would search for her body. He sadly was not able to accomplish that promise. Well, yeah, he did eventually. Um, Again, have you watched the show? Teddy may have kept her somewhere in the bunker before killing her, he suspects, after discovering this new side of the bunker. To find her body, he went into the bunker. No, actually, he went into the bunker for other stuff, and June found it. I'm not sure this guy actually watched the damn episode. Um, The mass enemies who want to take their place weren't aware that the place they're defending is under siege. Here's what we need to know about the incident, about those voices, and about who they were. Um, i got to apologize to you guys. I'm not really that impressed with this. I'm skipping down to one paragraph that was mildly useful only because it's been in the trailer, so we kind of know what's happening. Um, Sarah's one big mistake is described in the official synopsis of the episode, which I'll read to you guys. I read you the synopsis. Sorry, I'm going to read you other stuff in a minute. Initially, she decided to go independent and search for Wendell by herself against the wishes of her group. Her next encounter was with a survivor who wasn't very friendly and quite dangerous. Her own search may put her life at risk as they force her to take part in their own quest. They have a gender in here. I'm skipping it, but we probably will reveal what that means in a minute. Also, we eagerly await Strand's upcoming plans for... John and June. They keep saying Dory, and I'm not doing that. We wonder what the rivalry between him and Morgan has to do with the promise that he would give us a tour of the place. And by that, he means John and June. Uh, You know, this is not really that useful. I just wanted a little tiny piece of information. So we're going to just let that one go and go to the next article. It is 842, and we've got time for that kind of foolishness. So let's go ahead and swap. Okay, the other one might be a little spoilery, but at least it's better written. 
Um, so I may end up having to trim some of it or skirt around. Um, MonstersAndCritics.com. This was written by Rachel Sombakos. And it says, Fear the Walking Dead, Episode 4, Spoilers. Some of these say spoilers and they're not really, so I, I kind of ignored that. Sarah goes looking for Wendell, runs into blank instead. Uh, again, I uh, will probably end up mentioning it soon, but I'm just waiting just a wee bit, even though it's totally in the trailer. Okay. Um, currently, each episode of Season 7 of Fear has focused on one individual group per episode rather than flitting between storylines, and it looks like Episode 4 will follow this format. Previously, viewers saw how Victor Strand fared in the Season 7 premiere, setting this character up as a savior and the show's new antagonist. So savior maybe in the Negan sense, I don't know. Then Episode 2 delved into Morgan and Grace's story as they searched for food. The most recent episode then checked on how June was doing as she hunker down in a bunker with her father-in-law, John Dory Sr. So whose storyline is next? According to IMDb, episode four is titled Breathe With Me. The synopsis I've read you. Sarah survived the nuclear apocalypse thanks to the CRM. She, along with Althea, Luciana, and, and this is something we saw already, so it's not a spoiler. Daniel Salazar, Charlie, Jacob, and Wes were taken by helicopter to safety. However, up until now, viewers had no idea what happened after that. Uh, after all, the CRM is renowned for keeping to themselves and killing anyone who finds out about them. I find it interesting that they have not been quite as vehement about that in other parts of the country. So I'm not sure what was up with Al claiming that because they aren't consistent about this. But it looks like there will be some answers in the upcoming episode of Fear the Walking Dead. As for where Wendell is... Well, currently, he's likely holed up in Valleytown after Sarah told him to stay there ahead of the imminent nuclear blast. I don't remember her having said that, but I have a lot going on, and sometimes I miss stray lines when things are alive because I'm putting script together or whatever. Uh, There is a promo clip. The promo clip, which obviously I can't show you, um, shows that Sarah's group appeared to be safe and well, away from any radiation. However, no clues are dropped regarding the CRM. What it does offer instead is a chance meeting between Sarah and character I'll tell you about in a bit. Um, They're explaining how this character connects to everything. Once I tell you who it is, you'll already know. Um, And they want something from Sarah, and we'll get to that in a bit. There's a struggle. There is a film clip of a car where these two people were struggling, going over a cliff, but it's not clear if they were in it. It's not clear where that cliff is, so on and so forth. All right, so that is about as sanitized as I can present that. So, let's see. Um, When we get to trivia, you will know who it is, so I think it's fair to wait that long. Writers and directors profiles, da-da-da. Tonight's episode was written by David Leslie Johnson McKildrick. He's back to using that again. And Nazreen Chaudhry. And it was directed by Tara Nicole Ware. W-E-Y-R. I'm going to check the chat room, see if Joan has something to say. <laughs> yeah, Joan has plenty to say. 
Yeah, at first she's picking on me because I was picking on her. You just had to go there with the penultimate, didn't you? Well, technically, yeah. I, well, I didn't have to. I chose to. I am not a number. I am a free man. I'm still from the prisoner. Um, Joan also confirms what I was getting bent about. It wasn't 300 days. It was more like 70. That sounds much closer to what I thought was going on. You know, it's just weeks, maybe months. Not too many months. The 300 days was June's future reference to one that could safely leave. Yes. Like I said, the person who wrote the article, I did not get the impression, was very strong in written business English. And there was a big issue with that. It's the first time I've actually used that source, and I may not rely on them that often because of it. And then Joan also says, I don't remember Sarah telling Wendell that either, but could have missed it. I don't think she told him like in a big way that would have called a lot of attention to it. I think it was a side comment somewhere because he did go do it. I mean, you know, what else was he going to do? He's wheelchair bound, you know. Anyhow, that's the deal with those. Let's get to writers and directors profiles. Day 47, so let's go. David Leslie Johnson McGoldrick began writing plays in the second grade and wrote his first screenplay at age 19. Johnson attended Ohio State University in Columbus and graduated with a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Photography and Cinema. Currently, he lives in Burbank, California. I do have some personal information confusion. I used to have his bio. I saw some recent material that has confused me. I'm going to share it with you guys just to be clear that I've seen it and I am not able to verify it one way or the other. So his IMDb has been altered. I assume by him, but I I don't really know. So some IMDb notes claim that he's divorced from his wife since 2012, uh, who is screenwriter Kimberly, Kimberly Lofstrom Johnson, and other articles and photos of them speak as if they're still together. So I don't really know. They have a son, Samuel, between them. You know, I may do some digging later to see what the status is, you know, and also maybe the sort of thing where they don't want to poke at it a lot, so they're trying to keep people from diving in too hard. So let's talk about some professional stuff. Um, Johnson McGoldrick began his career as a production assistant on Frank Darabont's The Shawshank Redemption, which was filmed on location in Johnson's hometown of Mansfield, Ohio, at the historic Mansfield Reformatory, where Johnson's great-grandfather had been a prison guard. <clears throat> Johnson spent the next five years as Darabont's assistant, using the opportunity to hone his craft as a screenwriter. He co-wrote the screenplay for the new Aquaman movie that was out in December 2018, which did so well that as of February 2019, he had already been hired to pen the script for the Aquaman sequel, uh, which is, that I know of, still due out in 2022. It was 21, but obviously it didn't happen. He wrote the script for 2016 sequel The Conjuring 2 and was brought back to work on current new sequel The Conjuring 3 The Devil Made Me Do It which was slated for 2021 but I'm not sure it's coming out quite that early he's also listed as a main writer for the Nightmare on Elm Street 2021 reboot again caveat for most of these it said 2021 I think that was optimism and hope and a lot of these dates have been moved around so if it says 2021 and we haven't heard it announced, it's probably not anymore. Pardon me, I had to have a drink. Okay, other future projects include 
a Dungeons and Dragons movie slated for November 2021. Date caveat. And another remake of Invasion of Body Snatchers. I don't know what for. They've, they've done a pretty good remake of it. I don't think they need to keep doing one. Um, that's slated for 2022. I'm sure he's a great writer. That's not really my point. I'm I'm not big on sequels if they don't have a reason to exist. Um, David has been involved with Walking Dead since 2011. He's been a consulting producer for Walking Dead Classic contiguously since season 8 in 2017. He also had story by and teleplay by credits for 2017's Season 8, Episode 5, The Big Scary You. David has written 13 episodes of Walking Dead Classic, starting with Walking Dead Season 2, pardon my hiccups, Episode 5, Chupacabra, uh, 14 episodes if you want to count The Big Scary You in there. And the latest before this was Season 10, Episode 22, Here's Negan which was a pretty good one. I really like that. I like Tiller's performance in that, um, Jeffrey's wife. He's also written four, four prior episodes of Fear before tonight. Channel 4, Season 5, Episode 9. Today and Tomorrow, Season 5, Episode 14. The Key, Season 6, Episode 4. And Handle with Care, Season 6, Episode 10. Tonight is the fifth episode of Fear he has written. All right, co-writer Nazreen Chaudhry is a British TV series writer, producer, and actress, best known for her radio dramas and extensive work in American television. Chaudhry was born in southwest London, England, the youngest of five children, to first-generation Bangladeshi parents. She graduated with a BSc in biomedical science from King's College London with a view to becoming a doctor but then completed an MA in screenwriting at the Northern Film School, having received a Film 4 production slash Channel 4 award. She did a little bit of acting, but got her start behind the scenes in 2002, working as a story associate on the long-running UK TV soap Coronation Street. Chaudhry scripted episodes of British television serials such as Casualty, Doctors, EastEnders, and Waterloo Road. Her critically acclaimed radio play, Mixed Blood, won the Richard Imison Award in 2006. Chaudhry is currently based in L.A. and is married. She mentioned in an interview <coughs> pardon, that she drew inspiration uh, from her own experiences as a Bangladeshi woman married to a white man for her work on the show, Mixed Blood, or the play. Uh, in 2006, she was also awarded a grant for the arts by the Arts Council England for her first novel, My England. Her first screenplay, Scum, won the Focus on Talent Award, a competition run by DNA Films. She was selected as one of the ten finalists for the 2014 Fox Writers Intensive. She has written for A&E's Damien, Houdini, and Doyle. That may be a show together. Damien, Houdini, and Doyle. Fox's Wayward Pines, CBS's Blood and Treasure, and she is the producer of Amazon Prime Video's John, excuse me, I'm sorry, this is very hard, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan. Okay. In addition to her prolific writing career, Nazarene has held administrative positions within the university setting and in the political field. She previously served on the Board of Governors for the Local Education Authority and the Society Authors. 
She's also involved with Baptist Community Outreach Program, providing mentorship and training for students in South LA, as well as running her own storytelling workshops in schools and professional settings across the UK and also in Los Angeles. Nazreen has five TV acting credits. She has six producer's credits, including newly becoming a co-executive producer for Fear, starting back in season six. She has 12 writer's credits to her name before writing tonight's episode, becoming her 13th. Well, before writing episodes for Fear was her 13th credit of things that she's worked on. Um, So everything she writes for Fear is her 13th credit in that way of speaking. She has executive producership notwithstanding. Um, her, this is her second role working on anything else in the Walking Dead franchise, apart from that. The first episode she wrote was Welcome to the Club, Season 6, Episode 2. The second was In Dreams. Yeah, rough one. Uh, season 6, Episode 12. And third, USS Pennsylvania, penultimate episode. So, so, hi, Joan. <laughs> season 6, Episode 15. Tonight is her fourth episode written for Fear. And last profile, it's 8.55, so I think probably after this we'll need to pause. Um, Tara Nicole Ware, she's the director tonight. Tara grew up in Manhattan and spent most of her free time either in museums or finding ways to watch TV. Her parents didn't allow it. She studied painting and art history at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. After school, she stumbled into the film business while dressing mannequins in New York City. She started as a PA and worked her way up to the first assistant director's position before making the transition to directing. She lives in Venice, California, where she adopts senior dogs and watches TV whenever she wants. Good for you. Tara has second unit director and assistant director credits for several movies and TV series, including Oz, Deadwood, Entourage, Flight Plan, and Desperate Housewives. She has full director's credits from 2010 to now, in such shows as Desperate Housewives, Devious Maids, The Royals, Once Upon a Time, The Night Shift from 2016, Lucifer, Wu-Tang, An American Saga, The Purge, Bosch, and several others. Tonight is her third time working anywhere in the Walking Dead franchise, the first being directing Fear, Season 4, Episode 11, The Code, and the second being directing Fear, Season 5, Episode 4, Skidmark. Meow. Okay. Let's give them some applause and thanks. And Joan's hopping up and down in the channel because I said that P word again. Pen. Ultimate. Woohoo. <laughs> we have so much fun with that word. Okay. We've got about three minutes so we can start the trivia for tonight, and then we'll have to come back to it. And that probably will give you an idea of what's going to go on tonight. So tonight's episode, season seven, episode four, Breathe With Me. Tonight's episode is the 89th episode of Fear Ever. There is nobody listed as also starring that I know of yet. Co-stars, Jacob Kyle Young as Sage. He's a member of the Stalkers, who are the group of people that strip stuff off of walkers. Shane Andres as Guard, Stalker 2. Characters credited as Guard and Breathe With Me. Um, uncredited, Wyatt as Rufus, dog. Uh, prop as Emile LaRue, zombified, the head. 
Trivia. First appearance of Sage. He's a stalker guy. Starting with this episode, Maggie Grace, Althea Shevchik Przgaki, is downgraded from starring to also starring. Interesting. Okay, so that belies my previous comment, but it's a new thing. Um, this is the first time that the television universe, meaning anywhere in the Walking Dead TV franchise as opposed to comics, uh, where a main character is downgraded to a supporting character. I find that very interesting why they would bother doing that. Okay. Um, it is 8.59. We'll pause there because the next part is trivia from last week. And I'm going to go ahead and get set up, and I will see you guys at commercial break number one. Thanks for joining us. Okay, guys, it's 9.05, and as Joan points out, a large chunk of the Scooby gang has been reunited. Uh, so... Um, hmm, I'm I'm going to start with a five. We'll see how Joan feels about that. No pressure to equal me. We certainly haven't done that every week. So um, let's go to trivia for last week's episode, season seven, episode three, Cindy Hawkins. Um, that was the 88th episode of Fear Ever. No co-starring, uh, no also starring. Uh, uncredited, John Glover as Teddy, archival footage, Zoe Coletti as Dakota, archival footage. Bob Jennings as stalker number one. That's the guy that John Dory Sr. shoots in the back of the head before he can kill June. Unknown as Dakota zombified. Uh, there's just a random actor being a walker. And I I was fuzzy how she did not simply full-on disintegrate when nuked. And they do speak of that somewhere in one of the articles or something that just apparently not even being nuked will stop them from turning. I don't really understand that. I don't like that. I realize this is fiction, but it sort of doesn't make sense. And it's supposed to be fiction run across more or less reality. All right, are we back again? I guess we are. So let's talk trivia at break number two. Thanks. Okay, it's 9.13, break number two. I'm going to 5.25 for the moment, but I'm not sure I'm going to go higher. Yeah, Joan likes Sarah, so she's going up a little. Did you notice for the promo for World Beyond that Huck refers to Anne as Officer Stokes? Remember who Anne was involved with before she disappeared. I'm going to let y'all chew on that for a minute. Okay. Trivia from last week. Let's continue. Uh, First and last appearance of Cindy Hawkins as Corpse Hallucination. Last appearance of Teddy. Last appearance of Dakota. The title refers to one of Teddy's victims. This episode marks the fifth time in Fear... They've done this in Walking Dead Classic also. That the name of a character is included in the episode's title. The first being Pablo and Jessica. The second being Laura. The third being Skidmark. And the fourth being Barry her next to Jasper's leg. Um, oh, it, um, <clears throat> Joan has also said, uh, we were both wondering, why does Sarah suddenly have face ticks? It's like, 
she's drunk or drugged or something, maybe the head wound or bad writing. Yeah, I'm kind of wondering that. She's acting like when she got hit on the head, it caused her to have a medical problem. So I'm not 100% sure what's going on with that. Um, and offering her a hand up, he obviously doesn't know Sarah that well. Well, no, he doesn't. And, I, you know, and that may be a test with people like him to see if she'll even take it. <clears throat> so that is the deal with that. Let's go back to trivia. Let's see. Uh, it is revealed that Teddy's secret bunker is the location where he, pardon the hiccups, had killed all of his victims in the 70s. However, the police had never been able to find it. John Doria Sr. reveals that Teddy had ultimately confessed to 23 murders, but the police only ever found 22 bodies. His final victim, Cindy Hawkins, was never found. Well, obviously until last weekend. <clears throat> John finally holds, uh, finally finds Cindy's body buried in the bunker walls. Again, June was mentioning it, and he just checked it out. I think she should get credit. Teddy's M.O. as a serial killer is revealed to involve kidnapping young women and taking them to a secret bunker where he would kill and embalm them. Teddy would then pose their bodies in the places where they were abducted from, which is how the police had found the other 22 victims. Um, we're, okay, we still got commercial. He is known to have kept newspaper articles covering the case and Cindy's necklace in a box in the bunker, possibly as a trophy, although there's no sign of any other such trophies with the clippings. Bear in mind, Cindy was the one they didn't have a body for, and that might be why he had a personal artifact. I don't think it's trophies. John states that Teddy confessed to 23 victims in a way that implies that he suspects Teddy might have had more he never confessed to and that were never found, possibly besides Cindy. Uh, at least one is known to exist, his own mother, who Teddy revealed to Alicia and mother the police never found out about. Although I thought that the thing with mother was some random body. Maybe she was killed and the police never found out about it, and the body he was dragging around wasn't his mom. I know that. Despite being flash burned to a crisp by one of the warheads, Dakota still reanimates and has to be put down, showing that even the extreme heat, radiation, and fire from a nuclear weapon, even at that close of a range, isn't enough to keep people from turning into walkers. Okay, we are back. I will read you the rest of this at break number three. Okay, guys, it's 927. We are at break number three. Um, Joan has mentioned the body wasn't Teddy's mom, but he, she does remember him saying he did kill his mother when she threatened to have him committed early in his killing tendencies. Yeah, I do remember that. Um, also they have a bloodhound and just now thought to use him to find either Wendell or Morgan. You know, I had mentioned, I wasn't entirely sure that anybody else knew what Rufus knew how to do. I, I mean, his Breed looks like Bloodhound to me, but I don't know. People seem to be stupid. I don't know. Uh, Joan had mentioned also, and she was laughing because Sarah said, you know, carrying your brother's head around like a pet rock and that he was a stone-cold psycho. And Joan's going to 4.5. She's not yet ready for 5. That's fine. I'm at 5.5. It's 9.28. Let's go back to the rest of the trivia. Excuse me. I'm so sorry. And then continue. Okay, so... The last piece of trivia from last week is that Morgan is revealed to have, because remember we're asking where the hell his weapon was. Morgan is revealed to have repaired his axe since the events of the beginning. 
He's added a metal ring near the end of his staff for an unknown reason. I figured maybe it's to hook it on something. Don't really know. Okay, deaths last week. Dakota, zombified Dakota was put down. And three other unnamed stalkers. One is alive and zombified. Uh, no errors, goofs, or bloopers listed. So next is cast birthdays. We only have a couple. Merrick Murphy, who played Megan Chandler, Tara's niece, went back with the governor. Her birthday is November 8th, and she's from Georgia. And Rex Maynard Lynn, who played Mike Palmer in the Walking Dead webisodes Torn Apart. His birthday is November 13th, and he's from Hansford County, Texas. So happy birthday, and thanks for your All right, we have a commercial and Starbucks, and, and now we have something from Prime. Okay. Uh, featured music from last week's episode. The intro to the episode uses the song California Dreamin' by the Mamas and the Papas. And, in fact, I think it happens more than once. Um, let's see. Uh, on account of four characters I'm not going to bother with, Talking Dead, as Jonas pointed out, will not resume until... November 28th, which is, say it with me, class, the P episode. I'm not going to do it again to you, June. Two is enough. <laughs> okay, so I have an article, a couple articles that we can pull up to talk about in between. I will pull up some other information about fear before I get to that point, though. Uh, that's a commercial. So um, I do have an article from a a source called newsconcerns.com it's called world beyond reveals crm plan to end the zombie apocalypse written by monica lozano but we'll get to that in a little bit this is rocket mortgage let's see if we go back after this nope we still got the taco commercial okay so let me go back i i have those two articles i can read to you but let's go ahead and finish the titles for the remainder of season seven of fear so we don't have the back half yet, but the front half is 90 slash 5 next week is Till Death. Writers are Ashley Cardiff and Justin Boyd, and director is Lenny James of Morgan fame. That'll be on the 14th. 91 slash 6 is Reclamation. Writers are Alex Delisle and Kalia Stallworth. Director is Billy Woodruff on, on the 21st. 92 slash 7 is The Portrait. Writers Nick Bernadoni, directors Heather Capiello on the 28th, and 93-8, which will cover the rest of the first half. Uh, writers are Andrew Chambliss and Ian Goldberg, and director is Satcho. That's on December 5th, and then we have a break. And that's Padre, by the way. And we are back. I'll see you guys at break number four. Okay, it's 9.38. Okay, guys, it's 9.38. I'm staying at 5 five for this one because Sarah's being strange in a way that I'm not sure I'm okay with. Although Morgan's just showed up and met uh, Josiah, so that'll get interesting. Uh, Jonah's staying at her 4.5 for now, waiting to see how this pans out. That's fair. Um, so now y'all know what's uh, going on. So it the stuff I wasn't telling you earlier is now right knee deep in the plot. Um, I'm going to go ahead and mention a few things about World Beyond 
and continue with my notes simply because, you know, we don't have a break from one to the other. World Beyond will be on around 10 o'clock, Joan. If you have the ability to check on exactly when, that would be cool. If you don't, you know, that's cool too. Okay. Tonight's World Beyond episode is entitled, Who Are You? The official AMC synopsis is, As the group searches for answers, some struggle to find common ground, while others question who can be trusted. A shocking message sets a new mission into motion. And this also has additional synopsis articles, and I'm not going to read those yet until I check this other one that I was going to read for you guys and see if there's anything in there. Um, This was about things you're going to probably need to know for tonight's episode. So... The Walking Dead World Beyond declassifies intel on the Civic Republic military's growing plan to end the zombie apocalypse and eradicate empties from the planet. This is spoiler for episode two, Foothold, but that's already happened, so it's okay. A decade after the global outbreak of the zombie virus that turns the infected into the flesh-feasting undead, brilliant biochemist and geneticist Dr. Leo Bennett works towards a cure at a Civic Republic research facility in New York State. In this fight for a future, Lieutenant Colonel Elizabeth Kublik and the CRM recruit Dr. Lila Belshaw, Belshaw and other assets like Leo's gifted daughter Hope, although both his gifted daughters together, uh, to build an apparatus of knowledge and research to save humanity. Test subject A. In a post credit scene last, uh, oh, pardon me. This was in Season 1, Episode 4. There's been more than one, apparently. I forgot. The wrong end of a telescope. Civic Republic scientist Dr. Belshaw conducts empties experiments on her zombie-bitten colleague, Dr. Samuel Abbott, labeled TSA-402, Test Subject A. They reanimated Abbott is among dozens of walkers muzzled and strapped to gurneys inside the testing facility. Belshaw records her notes into a voice recorder. Test subject displayed no detectable responses to psychological stimuli. Necrotic plasma and brain fluid are being drawn for further testing. Results to be compared to tests performed during and immediately following reanimation. Tomorrow we'll begin the climate variations as scheduled. Um, Waiting to see if we go back after this commercial. Nope, not yet. Okay. Decontamination. In Season 2, Episode 2, Foothold, a couple weeks ago, CRM prisoner Silas is remanded to a decontamination center miles away from the research facility where Belshaw works with Bennett. He's put to work with decon crew Webb, Tia, and Grady, who use modified catch poles called kill sticks to do their dirty work. Watching the Audi commercial. And, yeah, okay. The decontamination center lures in the dead with lights and music before blowing them up and cleaning up the remains, trucking the blasted body parts away off-site. Mechanic Dennis, Maximilian Osinski, reveals the decontamination center is the first of its kind. Now there are six larger decontamination centers across New York State, converted stadiums and arenas, each operated by trained military personnel. They are, quote, playing a role in an experiment in mass culling, explained Dennis. And if the modeling's right, we can clear out the state while the measures keep more from coming in. We can gain a foothold. We can start to bring back what this place 
had in energy, agriculture, commerce. This this is a training ground for that, a place where Silas is. Okay, we're back. I will see you guys at break number, I don't even know what we're on now, five or six, something like that. It's 943. Thanks. Okay, it's 9.48. I lost track of what break we're on. I assume five, could be six. I'm going to go to to 5.75, although it's just because I'm having fields right now because they lost Rufus. World Beyond starts at 10.01. Joan was nice enough to look that up for me. Um, what'd she say? Oh, it goes until about, okay, World Beyond starts at 10, <laughs> and goes until about 10.07. Do you mean 11.07, I think? And Emil bit Rufus, so we lost him. Um, Joan is saying that it's canon in this mythos that animals don't turn, but I have thought that there were I might be confusing it with one of Romero's sequels in which they did have an animal that turned, but um, Jonah said she's found several references that animals don't turn like humans. At least none have so far in any of the Walking Dead shows. And she's still not going higher than 4.5. My last score between before 5.75 was a 5.5. Yeah, yeah, no, I do realize that. And I'm willing to go up just in honor of Rufus, for one. And also because um, Josiah is turning out to not be a cardboard character. I have another article somewhere, and I don't know if we'll get to it tonight. But basically, the long and short of it is that the setup for Emil's character really should have gone a lot longer than what it did. And I think that the showrunners were having regretsies about that. So they brought the guy back to play his twin brother. And give him a chance to do something meaningful on the show because he really had a nice setup and it was a shame to cut it as short as they did. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, so Joan has said that what I was wondering is correct, that it's 10.01 to 11.07 because we don't have Talking Dead back to back. Let me see what else I've got in my notes for you guys. Okay, I'm in a world beyond, and I think I have read you, maybe I haven't read, no, I haven't read you everything of value in that other article, so let me do that first. Eradicating empties. On a tour of the uh, Civic Republic research facility where Hope is reunited with her father in Consequence, um, Belshaw reveals the campus was once a government-funded educational research lab before the fall. The lower levels are where the bright minds of the Civic Republic are laying the foundation to one day find out why the world turned. Finding a cure is more about pinpointing what inside us makes us turn, whether it be fungal, bacterial, viral, or something else entirely, Belshaw says. But it's also about finding a way to get rid of the ones who've already turned. By investigating and hopefully discovering what keeps the dead animated, what inside them slows their decomposition rates and feeds their appetite, we hope to one day turn off those triggers eliminating the dead as a threat and eradicating them from the earth. Um, We are not yet back, so I'll keep going. Biorecorders. 
Bill Shaw shows Hope a pre-recorded video of Dr. Bennett addressing their partners in the Pacific Republic, part of the Alliance of the Three, the once united communities of Omaha, Portland, and the Pacific Republic, bound by the three-circle symbol. I find that very strange. The Pacific Republic is treated like a city, but it's not. And I don't even know if it's all in New York. Like, maybe it's not even all in one place. Here's the funny part. Stokes. And apparently they know each other, but it's been some time, which I find really weird. But, see, I bet you that's going to be how they start connecting people, is that Anne has started interacting with people again, and she's been in the CRM. All right, we're back. I'll see you guys at break number six or seven, whichever. Okay, guys, it's 10.05, and we have already dove into World Beyond. The opening was very underwhelming, to be honest. There's some interesting things in there, but I'm I'm going with (laughs) it. Joan is kind of in the same wavelength. I'm starting at a 4.5. She's starting at a 4, and I'm not sure that maybe she doesn't have the better way of it. she ended fear at five and is kind of surprised 5.75 for me with mixed feelings. Um, we definitely think that it was smart of the showrunners to bring the actor who played Emil back, even though the twinsy thing is kind of trite, but you know, he did deserve more of a chance to flush out the character and this Sarah strange stuff with the way she's, talking and acting and all this stuff and the Victor stuff is just really pissing me off. I don't I have no interest in sitting through it except just to find out how it all goes together and you got to get everybody out of the nuke zone. Otherwise, I honestly don't care. Oh, with the hiccups. Very sorry about that part. Let me see if there are other notes. Yes. Let me go ahead and keep reading these for you guys. Alrighty. In the Video presentation, and that is relevant to tonight. Perfect timing. Bennett narrates footage of an empty wearing a biorecorder device strapped to its back. Scientists fuse biorecorders to the brain stems of empties, giving them the ability to record and transmit the dead's biological response to environmental stimuli, providing invaluable tracking data to help approximate and predict behavior. And we are back. I'll see you guys at break number two. Okay, 10.15, and we are at break number two with World Beyond. I'm going to go 4.75 for some interesting things going on with Anne or Jadis. She's using Gabriel's last name and is back to Jadis instead of Anne. I haven't heard anybody at CRM even call her Anne. I think it's all very interesting. So I'm at four uh seven five and Joan is at four point five with that. All right, let me go back to the article and read you some more. Uh let's see, yeah. The CR spent years developing the technology that Bennett cracked in two months. The program is in its infancy, he says, but has allowed CR researchers to collect troves of information. 
small variations in brain chemistry, variations in speed, implying pursuit behaviors, the effect of weather on movement and awareness, massive amounts of data that will open the door to future avenues of research. Neutralizing the dead. Bennett's research involves infecting the dead with strains of fungi that grow on necrotic flesh. He posits, it's conceivable if we can modify an existing fungus, then we can one day accelerate the dead's rate of decay, virtually neutralizing them as an active mobile threat. The future. If the CRM can decontaminate and eventually neutralize empties, even the columns, what the CRM calls massive herds of the dead roaming the world, it's possible this mass culling can clear entire states of walkers. In time, Kublik envisions a future where the living reclaims the world from the dead. And that is the last of that article. Let me pull up the other uh, episode for... article thing I was going to read to you guys and we will get to the the summaries and all that other stuff you know the synopsis whatnot okay so this one is from more familiar and reliable source undeadwalking.com at fan cited fear the walking dead season seven preview uh, episode four breathe with me by Renee Hansen so that episode is actually already over that's okay I'm going to read this to you anyhow Sarah was whisked away with the others on the CRM helicopter sent by Al right before the nukes went off at the end of Season 6. This will be the first we have seen of this group in Season 7. We should find out where they ended up and what's been going on since. Sarah is understandably very concerned about her brother Wendell and told him to stay at Valley Town before the bombs. The synopsis for this episode reads, yeah, we already read that. Um, There's Mo Collins, the actress who plays Sarah, made a tweet about it, but I'd have to read it all to you. They have a Christmas commercial on, and we may be back soon. Oh, this will be kind of interesting. So next weekend, this week it was announced that Collins' husband, Alex Scooby, <laughs> isn't that funny, S-K-U-B-Y, will be joining the Fear Walking Dead cast in Season 7. He will appear in the fifth episode, Till Death, but there has been no announcement about his specific character. And that's all that's new on there. So now we can go skip down to the summaries and so forth. Oh, no, that was a summary. My bad. Okay, tonight's episode was written by Rohit Kumar. Last week, the source that I used had him and Sinead Daly reversed. Sinead does next week's episode. Rohit does this week's episode, and it was directed by Heather Capiello. Um, Well, that's interesting. Um, Okay, so bios. Rohit Kumar has a BS in computer and system engineering. Management, oh, weird. It doesn't say management of these things. I'm not sure how that degree goes. I'll have to check on it. From Rensselaer. Rensselaer, sorry, Polytechnic Institute, class of 2010, currently lives in L.A. A computer engineer by education, obviously, Kumar gave that all up to work in the glamorous world of Hollywood assistants. Started out at CAA in a variety of departments. Kumar also worked at Davis Entertainment before ending up as a current creative exec at True Pictures. And we are back. 
I'll see you guys at break number three. Yeah, three. All right. Thank you. Okay, guys, it's 1026. I guess we're at break number three. Jones at 475. I'm really not ready to go up yet, so I think I'm going to stay there at 475, so we'll have a little club together. Okay. Um, Let's go back to bio. So we've done parts of Rohit's, and we'll continue there. Rohit Kumar is uh, the guy who wrote tonight's episode. Okay. So Launchpad alum Rohit Kumar, whose script Grayshore earned the top drama prize in the 2015 Launchpad pilot competition, joined the writing team for seasons two and three of the Netflix series 13 Reasons Why. This has already happened. He also signed with Felicia Prince, Matthew Doyle, Nicholas Mohebi, and Parker Davis of Verve. Previously, he signed with Good Fear. He's also a writer at Amazon Studios for his upcoming Amazon Prime series, The Wheel of Time, which has already happened. Um, Kumar has been an executive story editor for World Beyond for all of season one and some of season two, obviously, you know, the parts that have aired. Tonight is his second time writing an episode of the show, the first being World Beyond season one, episode five, Madman Across the Water, which coincidentally was also directed by tonight's director, Heather Capiello. All right, let's do Heather's bio. Heather is an award-winning director of film, television, and theater. She has directed episodes of Madam Secretary, Criminal Minds, Blue Bloods, 2016 Voice Award winner, and the horror series Freakish, streaming on Hulu. Let's see if we're back. We are not. There's food. Uh, Additionally, she directed the pilot presentation for the one-hour drama Corporate produced by The Collective. Heather wrote and directed the short film Ruby's Tuesday that screened at more than 25 film festivals, including the short film Corner at Cannes. Notably, Heather was one of two directors chosen for the CBS Directing Initiative during the 2015 cycle and is the current protege in the inaugural DGA Craft and Mentorship Program. Heather helmed theatrical premieres in London, San Francisco, and Berkeley, including tenures with the acclaimed Shotgun Players, and the Bay Area's Jawbone Theater Ensemble, which she co-founded. Heather was a script supervisor on more than 15 original single-camera dramas and comedies, including HBO's award-winning series Six Feet Under, Carnival, and Enlightened, and TNT's critically acclaimed drama Saving Grace, starring Academy Award winner Holly Hunter. And we still have a commercial. I'll keep going. Heather's debut directing episode of Saving Grace, was chosen as a submission piece for both Ms. Hunter's SAG and Golden Globe Award nominations. Heather is an active member of the Directors Guild of America, DGA, and serves as the appointed co-coordinator of the Activities and Events Standing Committee to the Women's Steering Committee. Heather has a writer's credit for a film short in 2005. She has 31 script and continuity credits going back to 98, including for Six Feet Under, The Gin Game, the movie version in 2003, Monk, Parenthood, Criminal Minds, Suspect Behavior, Up to Recovery Road in 2016. She has seven director's credits back to 2005, including Saving Grace, Criminal Minds, and Blue Bloods to 2019. 
Oh, a new Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. Uh, hashtag Resident Evil. Not sure what's going on. Okay, we're going to go back in a moment. Let me try to finish this up. She has, uh, let's see, oh, directing tonight's episode is Heather's fourth time working in the Walking Dead franchise in any capacity and the second time in World Beyond. She previously directed Fear, Season 6, Episode 10, Handle with Care. Second was Fear, Season 6, Episode 15, USS Pennsylvania. And third was Season 2, Episode 5, Carnivore of World Beyond. She also directed upcoming Fear the Walking Dead, Season 7, Episode 7, The Portrait. All right, we're back. I'll see you guys at the next break. Okay, guys, it is 1041. I'm actually going up to 525. Joan's going up to 5. Just for some suspense and some I have no idea how he's going to solve this kind of things with him getting stuck in that freezing lab, whatever it is down there. Um, I'm getting really done with Huck's fucking attitude. Um, Joan had said she was never my favorite even last season. Like, I don't mind that she's cocky while she was undercover, but she's cocky outside of that too. And I really just don't see why other than her mother's important. Like she doesn't really have leadership behavior. And so I don't know why she's just stuck on herself. All right. So enough of that. Let me go back to the bios. And oh, okay. I have finished Heather's uh, bio. So let's go to trivia. Um, tonight's episode is the 16th episode of World Beyond Ever. It is the first appearance of Dr. Eversall in a flashback. Last appearance of Romano in a flashback. As of this episode, Pollyanna McIntosh, who plays Anne slash Jadis, has been added to the opening credits. This is the first episode where Maximilian Osinski, who's Dennis, is credited but does not appear. Co-stars tonight, Daniel Baldock as Romano. He was a resident of the campus colony until being transferred to a research facility in New York as the co-head of Dr. Leo Bennett's security detail along with Will Campbell. Elizabeth Kublik ordered for Will and Romano's execution. I don't, that four shouldn't be in there. After having asked too many questions. On their way to the execution, both men fought off the soldiers and escaped. However, Romano was shot in the back by Frank Newton, who's a lieutenant of the CRM. Gilbert Cruz as Dr. Eversall. Um, his role is to be announced. He's also scheduled to be at episode eight, Returning Point. Wes Jetton as Robin, who's a member of the Council of the Perimeter Sense Consequence. All right. Oh, here's a good one. This one's kind of long. Uncredited S.J. Ovaska as Samuel Abbott, who is test subject A402. That's good there. Thank you. Quote. Test subject displayed no detectable responses to psychological stimuli, necrotic plasma, and brain fluid are being drawn for further testing results to be compared to tests performed during and immediately following reanimation. Tomorrow will begin the climate variations test as scheduled. Again, this is test subject A402, known in life as Dr. Samuel Abbott from Portland, Oregon. This is a quote from Dr. Lila Belshaw. Reporting on the zombified Dr. Abbott in Season 1, Episode 4, The Wrong End of a Telescope. So he's actually been on our radar and we didn't catch the meaning. 
Samuel's reanimated corpse is experimented on by Lila, his former colleague. He also appears in a photograph on Lila's desk with her, Dr. Leo Bennett, and another man. Season 1, Episode 6, Shadow Puppets. Samuel appears in a photograph on Lila's desk. I reread that. Samuel, ep- episode 2, Season 2, Foothold. Samuel appears in a video message that was recorded by Leo for their superiors in the CRM. He is seen with Leo and other scientists in the video working on a project involving being able to study that the undead's behaviors and nerve activity. He is scheduled to appear in Season 2, Episode 7, Blood and Lies. The IMD, his IMDb page is actually blank, and it's possible this may be his first role ever, which would be kind of cool. On his Instagram bio, he is a follower, husband, father, friend to all. I play Dr. Abbott on World Beyond. And we're actually still in commercials, shockingly. Um, last episode trivia from Quatrevoix. Quatre um, 15th episode of World Beyond Ever. First appearance of Marjorie. First appearance of Dr. Amanda Siegel. First appearance in World Beyond Continuity of Anne. First and last appearance of Mr. Mollick in a photograph. The title of the episode means a crossroad or a critical decision or turning point in one's life. Um, this episode marks the return of Barca, who was last seen being taken away in The Tiger and the Lamb. This is the first episode of season two where all main cast members appear. And we are back. See you guys at break number six. It's 10.54. I am probably going to lose recording after this because I have a limit on how long the show can go. Um, During this break, Joan is at 5.5. I think I don't I don't know how I feel I'm really you know I'm willing to go up there Um, I'm not going to be able to talk to you guys at the end of the show but there's not too much longer anyhow I'm just looking to see if there's other stuff yeah there's trivia and things there's a whole bunch of stuff about Pollyanna McIntosh and uncredited people um, next week's episode is 17 slash seven blood and lies writers, Sinead Daly directors, Lily Marie. And we have other shows on NDB media, Monday night in America on Monday nights, Phantom access on Tuesdays, rock and roll shrink radio show this week on uh, Wednesday at 11 Eastern time and travel it's radio on Thursday. It's a veterans day show. And I want to thank everybody uh, for joining us, not only tonight, but those of you who might be listening later via podcast, iTunes, or the Blog Talk Radio website. Um, special appreciation to our host, NDB Media. We hope you guys will join us next weekend for another live watch party on the same network. Please watch our Facebook page for next week's show times and episode links. See you all next time. Thank you and good night.